Hey guys, and welcome to the Poland Technology Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder. Being a technology leader myself in Poland, I often get asked about technology here, be it technology trends, how to access Polish tech talent to build and support applications, or how can we sell our tech or service in Poland. Therefore, I created this podcast, which is targeted at tech leaders who want to learn more about Polish tech. We will interview the people who've gone through these experiences and learn from their success as well as failures. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Poland Technology Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Boris, who's the founding partner of Smuck Ventures. Today, we're going to talk about VC funding in Poland and the whole area of Polish startups, what's happening, where it's come from, and where it's going to. And we're also going to touch on how the current coronavirus is impacting the whole funding world. So welcome to the show, Boris. Hi, Ken. Thanks for having me. Great. No, thank you for joining us. Listen, I always start by, could you tell us a bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? Of course. So I started as an engineer. I turned myself into a founder about 10 years ago. I founded my first company. So I actually coded the first thing, but then I started doing more of the management stuff. So I hired the whole team and then I was the CEO. I sold this company four years ago to an American startup called Samba TV. And then actually were able to be part of this really huge growth of this new startup that I was part of. Uh, we went from, you know, 5 million in revenue to 100 million in revenue wow. um, in four years. And last year, I decided to change my career path again. <laughs> and I raised my first venture capital fund. I uh, quit Samba and uh, now I'm running Smog Ventures trying to basically take advantage of this growing opportunity in the Polish and Central Eastern European startup ecosystem, investing early stage in the best founders, best entrepreneurs uh, this part of the world. Wow, that sounds incredible. And why, why, I mean, why investments? I mean, did you see it's because of what you learned from the last 10, 20 years? Or why did you move into the whole VC world? I was just, I just noticed it's, it's the time to do it. I've been noticing, I've been kind of part of this environment for the last 20 years. From, you know, year 2000, I was the fourth employee of EO Networks, which was the first startup by Stefan Batory, who is now running Booksy, one of the biggest Polish success stories worldwide in startup world. So I was kind of seeing that from the very beginning. And the early attempts of Polish startups were pretty much local, trying to conquer the local ecosystem. So the main big, bigger stories were kind of copies of biggest success stories in America. So we had like our own Facebook, our own Yahoo, our own you know, every success story had this copy for Poland and people made money and some VCs made money, but it was never like a big, big success. So only recently, maybe five or eight years ago, I started seeing Polish entrepreneurs ta- ta- taking on, like ha- having some bigger vision. And, you know, guys like Mariusz Dralewski, who founded Doc Planner, one of the leaders in doctor appointment, worldwide right now, or Michał Borkowski, who founded Brainly, basically a leader of open education worldwide as well. They just acquired American, biggest American competitor, or Stefan Batoris Booksy. So there's a few of those big success stories, hopefully billion dollar companies soon coming out of Poland that kind of are showing the way for the new Polish entrepreneurs how to do it. 
And I started seeing maybe a few years ago, a lot of those serial entrepreneurs who are already successful on the Polish market now are taking on the global market. And this is the time to invest in those guys because, and girls because this is the time where they can kind of like actually build something really big. And we want to be part of that thing, of course. Wow, amazing. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, because there is some great success stories in Poland, but you don't hear many of them going outside of Poland. But I think that's starting to change now, um, as you said in your example. Sure. And I'd love to learn more about, you know, and for our audiences about the whole area of this the Polish startup community. Um, you know, what's happening there? Where is it coming from? You know, where is it going to? If you could share some information, that would be great. Yeah, pretty general <laughs> question. Yeah, really sorry, maybe I should be more specific. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard to get because there's it's Poland is not one thing. So there's there's a few different aspects. So there's definitely the whole ecosystem is kind of it's benefited. Like some people say it's benefited from, but some people say it's tainted by the the huge growth of public money that's coming from European Union, from Polish ecosystems. There's a lot of money for innovation in general in Poland, which okay. is a good thing in general. There's, it, it helped a lot of people uh, quit their jobs in corporate world and run a startup. A lot of failures, obviously a way, way bigger percentage of failures in those endeavors versus like venture capital-backed startups. But it helped. Uh, this is, has been happening for the last 10 years. It helped a lot of founders just find their way, just make sure this is the path for them and some of those guys became very successful, like maybe Audioteca, which is the Audible competitor for Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. They started with public money, but then they raised, they follow on to raise, uh, you know, I don't know how much, like 10 or $20 million. And now they're one of the biggest, one of the leaders in audiobooks in Central Eastern Europe and also getting to the rest of Europe. So there's been some success stories. My, you know, my first funding came from EU as well, like okay. 100K euro just to kick it off. Yeah. But it allowed me to quit my job in London in a consult in, in investment banking and move back to Warsaw and actually start a company. Then I raised a few times, you know, venture capital or angel investments and then follow on to sell the company. And some of those cases were pretty successful. There's a lot of those that there's a lot of money going into research and development and there's nothing there's we haven't seen yet this money actually, you know, being transformed into creating great companies. So there is but definitely the, the public money part is is big, okay. but then there's more and more private money coming to the market. And recently, especially the last two years, I've seen a number of venture capital funds from all around the world noticing Poland and actually setting up shops in Poland. And I think that's, that's something that's new, that been, hasn't been happening before. So Pitango, a top Israeli fund, set up a shop in Poland two years ago. Sunfish Partners, the post-rocket internet guys from Germany, they actually raised their funds specifically for Poland and set up the whole group just for Poland. They're based in Warsaw, great guys, and we're happy to do some investments with them as well. Mm. There is uh, OTB Ventures recently, one of the biggest funds in Poland, now a 100 million euro fund. Tim Draper just flew to Poland, one of the icons of venture capital in the world, and they, he added this fund to his Draper network. So basically, you know, giving a shout to Poland and Eastern Europe saying, hey, this is the next big thing happening. I want to be part of it. Our fund, of course, Paul Bregiel, investor in seven unicorns in the U- US, <laughs> is a general partner in our fund. You know, he invested in Uber, in Zappos, in Stripe, in a number of uh, Pokemon Go, a number of big companies. And he's, he's next thing with Poland. 
so this is not just a few of those examples. I'm seeing Singaporean funds, uh, Japanese funds looking for Poland, looking for Eastern Europe, because they're constantly looking for places in the world where things are happening and they want to be a bit early. They don't want to yeah. be late. And I think this is, you still can set up a new fund in Poland and become the market leader going forward in the next 10 years. And that's our plan, of course. And I think that's the plan for all the other funds I mentioned. So that's amazing. Yeah. And by the sounds of what you're talking about, it's only really starting to kick off. Yeah. Last two years, actually, that's, that, it's been happening. There's more. It's, I just mentioned a few, but there's more of those funds happening. The venture capital market in Poland can like boom in the last few, few years. And I think now it's kind of follow, like it's finally catching up with the demand from startups because like five years ago, it would be no one could find capital. Everyone was trying to fundraise outside of Poland because there was just few funds worth mentioning, worth talking to that the start that the best funders wanted to actually have on board. Now it's, it's not perfect, but it's, it's catching up with the rest of Europe, of the rest of the world. And, you know, I mentioned there, I mean, there's some big investments, you know, because normally I see London, okay, big, proper big 10, 20 million investments. But it sounds like in Poland, we're also getting these big investments. It's not small investments of a few hundred thousand. It's proper. We're talking millions here for these companies. Would that be a correct assumption? I mean, it depends on the size of the fund. You know, our fund is, it's, we just raised the first fund, which is $12 million, uh, $10 million euro fund. And we'll be doing mostly investment up to a million euro per company. There are other funds which would invest up to five to 10 million euro. Yeah. So that really depends on the stage you're investing in. I think there's already enough money in seed and, and series A. There isn't that much more money if you want to grow bigger. So uh, what, how I see with the companies, they usually raise some initial angel investment or seed capital in Poland, maybe some follow-on, like a pre, like post-seed in Poland as well. And then they either go to the stock market in Poland, right. even with pretty small valuations. Like you can go to the smart stock market in Poland with like 20 million euro valuation. Uh, so, so that valuation, you would normally just raise a series B or, you know, or a series A even in the US or UK. So, but the, the smarter one, ones that want to grow something big and stay independent a bit longer, they usually raise follow-ons from the US investors or UK investors, or even Scandinavian or, or sometimes Asian. So, so there is this huge funding gap after Series A in Poland for, for sure right now. But still a lot of opportunities in Series in Seed as well, because especially in replacing the kind of not so good funds with not so good reputation they're still there right okay and in terms of uh, valuations i mean are the company valuations compared to what investors get in other areas of the world and would you find a better in poland or yeah i mean obviously one of the reasons for paul bragel and and others to come here is because they can see a good price for equally good or even better engineering and better founders so as in our valuations we usually aim at like in pre-seed we would do one to two million euro valuation in post-seed we would do up until like maybe five to six million euro valuations when we do the first investment in the new company which is i think significantly lower still than even germany or us or uk the more mature the companies are the more it kind of gets similar to the world because they usually then set up delaware shop they fundraise in the us and they actually fundraise on regular US valuations. But in early stage, I think it's still it's still possible to get pretty good valuation early on. Especially in a few interesting new industries that are 
pretty much specifically that specifically Poland is very good at. So one of those industries I would say is gaming, is uh, game development. There's been a lot of success stories in, in gaming in Poland, not a lot of VC success stories in gaming in Poland. So venture capital firms, for some reason, were not super interested and enthusiastic about those. But you know, if, you have, if you've heard of The Witcher, it's a Polish game. It's, yes, uh, it's of course. One of the companies in Poland, CD Projekt Red. It's a Polish company. It's a stock market company. Now, you know, a few billion dollar uh, valuation. Techland is another one, creators of Dying Light, uh, based in Wrocław. They just releasing Dying Light too soon. They will probably be IPOing. A huge success story for Poland, one of the most known games in the world as well. Ten Square Games, not too many people know them, but it's one of the top grossing games in mobile gaming. You fish online, so yeah. <laughs> uh, it's they're making a lot of money, and they just become one of the best investments on the Polish stock market recently. So there's been a number of those success stories in Poland. This is just free, but there's like maybe 20 really good gaming companies out of Poland of the last 10 years, and not too many VC companies actually want to invest. Usually, how it goes is they they basically find a publisher who puts a lot of money into the specific game. And then game by game, they raise new funding, okay. which, is, which is a way to do it. But I think the better way to do it is to actually invest early on in a really good team, invest in a company versus in a specific product, and then make a lot of money when this company finally has a, has a really good hit. And that's our strategy at Smog, especially now to do more investments into early stage gaming, especially that there are so many great engineers leaving those big names, yeah. big companies that I, that I mentioned. But there's a lot of opportunity to invest in the next big thing in the gaming in Poland. And that's what we're trying to, you know, spot. Well, yeah, because only recently I spoke to Gregor uh, from Tebow. And they, I think they, he said it's 500 million users of the games now online, which is, I mean, it's incredible, incredible stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. last week was the biggest week ever on Steam for, uh, for CSGO, uh, for Counter-Strike. So... And this is a 10-year-old game. <laughs> so it's this esports and gaming market is kind of really, really booming right now. Wow. How about other, other industries then? I mean, what other industries and investors would be good for Poland? So historically, we've been really good in hardcore, deep technology. So there is a lot of artificial intelligence specialists, you know, people with a lot of background, sometimes scientific background in creating you know, new mathematical models. We've been looking at a number of those companies. A lot of software houses also focus on kind of deeper tech than just creating a new mobile app. So a lot of people have skills, have trained skills, the most crucial skills right now in, in engineering in the world. So there's a lot of that happening in Poland. And a lot of companies are kind of starting with very deep tech product advantage. And what they're really looking for now is to kind of try to, to use this in a market and then try to sell it. Like they need to have a, sell, a good sales team to be able to, from this product, to create a business. And this is where we kind of maybe lack a bit, but the engineering talent is there and the, the product adventure is there. So it's for the venture capital, it's a really good thing because then you have a lot more exit opportunities than just selling the company because it's, you're selling the customers, you're selling mm -hmm. also the technology which is kind of like more the Israeli approach versus right. the U.S. approach when you kind of focus on sales, sales, sales first and then product later. So we're definitely closer to maybe Russia or Israel or China, 
as in this mentality of like where to go to market. Uh, so I would say deep tech and machine learning, neural networks, all of that. There is a lot of knowledge in Poland. I think those are the biggest two, I think. We don't have a lot of success stories in consumer except for gaming. So with Smock, we also kind of, we would look at consumer, but we would, we like the kind of SaaS business models. There's a number of success stories in the SaaS in creating like Brand24 is one of the examples. Pretty advanced technology in the background and then really good marketing, really good way to quickly adapt a lot of customers worldwide. But the advantage is there in the back end. The advantage is that it's both the product and it's it, the flexibility of the product is in the, it's in the technology. But they have to have a really good sales as well. So the SaaS technologies would be something we'd be looking at mostly. There's a number of other funds that look into marketplaces, for example. Market One Capital is one that focuses entirely on marketplaces. This is not too much of our thing, but they have the history of building a great marketplaces startups so they have real expertise there so i would say those are the the three biggest ones so the gaming the ai and the deep tech and then creating kind of products for small businesses global products for small business with SaaS models wow yeah very interesting and in terms of the challenges that these startups face i mean you talk they're very strongly about very technically strong what are the kind of challenges these startups is it it's a big challenge getting finance or is it selling the product and what are the kind of challenges you face here? So, I mean, the best ones don't have those challenges. They usually overcome yeah. those. So, but I'll be talking about the, like, out of like a, almost a thousand decks we've seen in the last year, a lot of those products are still have this kind of mentality that they're going to be, they usually have like, they've developed some technology, they have some product, they've sold it to maybe one or two customers in Poland, yeah. usually enterprise customers. And they kind of want to get from they want to get funding now to go global. Versus, I don't really believe this will happen. <laughs> like okay. usually, how it how it works if you kind of start from it's good to start with some customers, of course, but you have to show that you can sell in scale and you can sell globally because getting those two or three customers in Poland is easy. You've got the network in Poland. Usually, they would you know first they would look into the Polish company to to do business with, but that's not going to get us a good exit. You need to prove you can sell, you can market your product worldwide. I think that's a big challenge of a number of startups. They, they do focus too narrowly. They think this is going to be just a pretty nice, e- easy switch to now yeah. start doing this globally, which it's not. And also they think we help them. <laughs> and of course, yes, we can help them in a way. If they're already really good, we can do some intros to like really high level people right. you know, we can intro them to you know ceos of the biggest companies in silicon valley but before we do that we need to make sure they're on the same level they they actually will be able to sell to them they will be able to offer an amazing product for them so we can help but if you already you know have done your lesson yeah and a, a lot of founders kind of struggle with that i think the mentality is still mm pretty local so we need to really work on this global mentality and making sure your goal is to be the market leader globally your goal is not to be leader even in centuries in europe this is still a small market you know poland's the biggest country here you can make a good business but we feel that where we can help most is when you do a global business 
because the network here is, you know, US, Asia, we can help. But we, you need to have this mentality. You need to believe in yourself first that you're, gonna, you're going to be the market leader in your industry. That's what we are looking for. And that's, I think that's what a lot of startups lack that. But they lack experience, you know, they, they, they don't have friends who've done it. So it's happening. And I mentioned a few examples, but we need more and more. And we need that switch of that mentality, you know, faster. Yeah, I suppose that's coming really from the Polish history, really, is it that mentality of the communism? And I suppose it's slowly changing. So that's what yeah, we're afraid believe. of the West, and they, they should be afraid of us. <laughs> uh, I love it. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I see how Poland is developing. It's incredible. Uh, the stats yeah. in the country are just uh, unheard of. It's phenomenal. And people are hungry. They're hungry for entrepreneurism, hungry to start their own companies. Uh, the, the good thing is we have entrepreneurship in our blood. So it's like, it's, we're more like the US than like France or Germany or, or the Benelux countries. We have like, we have probably like out of 40 million of, of Polish people, maybe 20 million, like 25 million who are actually, you know, working in the, age, the right age to work. I don't know, 10% of 15% are entrepreneurs. It's unheard of. It's yeah. like, it's closer to Israel or US than to Europe. So we have this big advantage of, of being scrappy, of being lean. We know how to like, create companies on very limited budget. So there is a lot to like uh, from the venture, venture capital perspective in Poland, especially Poland versus the rest of Europe, which is kind of seen as a bit lazy, a bit slowish. Right. You know, we can deliver things faster and better quality. So that's the benefit. We just need to kind of start believing that we can do it and we can actually become like our, we can build a company that's a global leader. Yeah, really, really, really great point there. In terms of the failures, I mean, is there any, I know, like, is it still startups? Is it kind of like 90% of startups fail or is it that, that just a too general a number? That depends on which ones you count, I guess. Yeah. I, if you count those that are received venture funding, probably fewer. But if you just count everywhere, I think more. Like if you just count any, any business that, you know, potentially have a product that can be, you know, more scalable. I would say probably ninety-five or even more percent <laughs> fail. As in, so wow. it's it's a uh, you have to be kind of crazy to get into this business. <laughs> but, yeah, wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, but that's 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 not Polish specific. That's worldwide specific. You know, but I've I, seen one of the advantages of being here is that I've seen companies succeed, even though it over the first like year or two, they would do doomed to fail and. If they were in the U.S., they would have failed because they would run out of cash. Yeah. Here, they kind of, there's, you know, they, they're lean enough that they can kind of struggle a bit longer and maybe still get to that product market fit. So the, 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 they can, they have, the, the cash flow lasts for longer. So it's a benefit for, uh, for the startups. Sometimes it's, 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 sometimes it's a blessing. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just like, I'm going to be trying more and more things and you know, run out of yeah. cash anyway. But, uh, <laughs> and the US will be like, yeah, it's not working. Let's do something new. But I guess if you know, if you believe in this, you know, mm. I was bankrupt a few times you know, in, my, <laughs> in my startup. So, <laughs> most people would, you know, would, would have quit for sure. So, yeah. And that was actually the next question I was going to ask you because in Israel, it's incredible, you know. The startup nation there, actually, you know, they've all got four or five failures under their belt. It's kind of like seen as a positive thing. Uh, whereas other countries and others are saying you fail and you just, okay, you hide it and you move on back into a permanent job. 
in Poland, do you find that a lot of Polish entrepreneurs have, again, multiple failures, but they keep on at it? Is that the case or not? I think it's changing the, the attitude of openly, transparently talking about your previous endeavors is, I think it's changing. We always go deep into that. We want to understand what happened before, why, like what was your path as an entrepreneur? If it was a success story, why it was a success story? Was it you? Was it the market? What helped you succeed? Because if you succeeded, that doesn't mean you're going to keep succeeding, you know? And also when you failed, just it's really important for us to, to understand what happened. Like, did you fail because the market fit was not there? Did you fail because there was some issues with your co-founder? You just kind of kept arguing and just it killed the business. Did you fail because you had a venture capitalist that sucked and that forced you into doing stuff that you didn't want to? A common story as well. So if as the more transparent you are with us, the better because we feel, you know, you'll be equally transparent with us when the bad stuff is happening in your company, when the good stuff is happening. We need you to talk to us and yeah. over-communicate. That's the only way we can help. And that's, you know, the best entrepreneurs are not afraid of, of being frank and admitting failures. Yeah, and that's if they rely on other people to help them in certain areas. They're good at certain things. And they need a Learning team then. failures. It's important yeah. too if you keep failing. <laughs> you yeah, that's right. That's okay. That's a good point. How do you find these startups? Is it easy to find startups? Are they approaching you or do, do you go out and seek them? How, how does that work? Yeah, that was one of the things I was mostly afraid of when we were launching. I mean, we had some experience because we've been running an acceleration program before, ReactorX. So we've been doing this for the last three years and we've helped like 60 entrepreneurs kick it off usually first-time founders. So we had some experience, you know, working with entrepreneurs here in, in, in Warsaw and trying to help them to the next stage, trying to get them funded. We're pretty successful actually in getting them funded, especially with like very small, like very super early stage startups okay. uh, that we accepted into the program. So we, we knew kind of how the market is, but then once we started investing, it's a completely new, uh, new flow of startups. So I, I told you, it's almost a thousand in the last year that we've had to see. And it's just two of us, uh, like operational managing partners here in Smog. So it's a lot of work. I'm really impressed by the quality. I think out of the thousand, I mean, I've seen maybe a hundred or maybe 200 that will definitely get funding. Uh, wow. Not from us, of course, but we cannot, you know, we cannot do like yeah. 30 companies in the four years. But I'm seeing amazing quality of startups. I'm seeing way better quality I thought a lot of serial entrepreneurs with big successes who, you know, get out of their previous businesses, usually, you know, sold their previous businesses, now are investing their own money into the new business, coming to us later, coming to us when they already know it makes sense and they want to kind of launch it and make it bigger. That's the case with Smart Hotel, one of the first investments we've made. You know, a guy, Maciej Prostak, he exited two companies before one of the companies was in his industry. And now he's, he was working on the next big thing. And he came to us when we, he was, he, the product was already there and he, the customer validation was already there. He just kind of wanted the money to grow faster. So that's, that's the kind of, that's the best case scenario for us when it's still early stage. It's still a okay valuation for us, but we feel, you know, we just are convinced that this guy will deliver. And a lot of those, like we, we have a lot of those uh, serial entrepreneurs approaching us for the kind of, early stage first-time founders, we usually recommend them to go through 
the acceleration program because that's how we get to know them better. So we still run the program. It's okay. for like super early stage first time founders, but we've seen a lot of great people like Alicia Shawas who just launched last year and she's now like she's growing her in amazing time because her company does basically English classes for kids online. So amazing oh. <laughs> timing right yeah, now. Yeah. Everywhere, all the kids are at home. <laughs> growing like crazy. And a number of those, and she's a first-time entrepreneur with amazing background, Oxford graduate. She, she worked in China for some of the unicorn startups in the same business, but then she came back to Poland and, and she launched her own company. But first-time entrepreneur, so she had to learn everything. Same with uh, with, with, with Piotr from Rendero, who was also a video uh, guy before. He was, you know, working in the video industry, but he had an idea to disrupt this video industry and to create a cloud workstation for all the video artists. So he created Renduro. He hired some of the best engineers I knew to work for him. And he was a first-time founder too. He went through the acceleration program, but it was super easy for him to raise funding and to get money because he, he, he had this basically, you know, you kind of see this kind of flash in the eye yeah. sometimes <laughs> of the entrepreneur and those guys have it. So even if for first-time founders, sometimes you can see you know, brilliant, brilliant people, brilliant ideas. So our kind of approach is to now go through the program, learn how to work with them, and then invest in some of the best of, of those ideas versus it's basically a risk. You know, it's, it's kind of like limiting the risk for us, but also helping the first-time founders to learn a lot from the top mentors we have. And it kind of works, works both ways, I think. Everyone is getting some value. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And in terms of VCs, either, you know, setting up in Poland or maybe foreign VCs or into the Polish market, I mean, what do you recommend? How would they, what's the best approach for these guys to into Poland? To the partnership or how does it normally work? I would say if you bring enough know-how, if you bring enough contacts from the outside world, it won't be that hard to kind of quickly establish yourself as one of the top players. Obviously, it helps if you connect with someone who already has a network. That's what Paul Bragiel did with me. So we, you know, he, he's bringing, he, his brother are bringing the network from Asia and from the US and all the know-how investing in the last, the last 10 years. And then teaming up with us with already an existing acceleration program, a really large network here in Poland. So the deal flow is already there. If you're coming from outside and there is no one, you, you work here locally, the deal flow is going to be an issue. So we probably need to be you know, attend more events, virtual, I guess now, reach out more to founders, work on your marketing versus, you know, teaming up with someone who already has that. It's a kickstart for you. But I don't think it's necessary. I mean, I think you can still, if you bring the, the best people and actually get them here to Poland and focus on Poland or focus on the, you know, Central Eastern Europe market as well, you can still establish something big even without that those local contacts. But we... I'm also always happy to help. We're always looking for great investors to, to co-invest with, to help them get engaged in the community. We're working like in the acceleration program. We're working with maybe 20 venture capital firms, both Polish and outside of Poland. Like we're working with Speed Invest, one of the biggest seed investment funds in Europe with Hoxton, uh, Hussein Kanji just joined as a mentor. One of the top London-based VC firms, investors in Deliveroo or Babylon Health, like some of the biggest European startups, they're helping Polish founders succeed in a super early stage. So there's a lot of opportunities to get engaged if you want to be getting engaged in Poland as a foreign investor. Incredible. 
And what, what, okay, you mentioned there about, you know, the current, we've got the coronavirus at the moment and obviously a big concern in markets and industry and everything. I mean, how is this impacting funding? Oh, it, there's a huge, profound impact on funding. I think it's going to be a huge struggle for, for a lot of founders to raise uh, their rounds. If they've just raised, good for them. They have this benefit. They have this, you know, cash flow for the next year or two. They should use it, you know, smartly and le- in a lean way because we just don't know how long it's going to last and what's the impact going to be. For those who are currently fundraising, I would say it's going to be very difficult, way more difficult than it used to be. And it used to be difficult <laughs> before, <laughs> especially for stuff that's, that has anything to do with like brick and mortar okay. you know, stuff. Like if your company are doing something that, that the current situation of the coronavirus actually benefits so there's a few companies, there's a few industries that actually benefit from this. Everything that's kind of remote access, everything like telemedicine, education online, anything related to gaming and esports, definitely we're seeing a huge growth of those, of those industries right now. But if you're doing something that's like been hit by a coronavirus, like if you're doing stuff with the restaurants, you know, <laughs> or like, like anything that's you know, tough, yeah. appointments, you know, in real life, that's going to be a problem. Like, I don't think valuations are going to go down. It's going to be really harder raising capital. I think the best approach is to keep working on your product, okay. keep talking to the customers. Sometimes they will have time for you now, actually, because there's, their business is not running or, you know, they have more time. So you can do a lot of customer validation with them. But fundraising now, only if you have to, unless your company is one of those rare examples of companies that benefit from this unfortunate situation yeah okay okay very interesting yeah challenging times so just have to wait i mean see. For, it's also as a founder you kind of need to kind of also understand how the venture capital works okay you know we we're sitting on a pile of cash and we don't have to spend it right now usually yeah. usually the perspective is about you know four to five years to invest money so obviously we're more cautious in a time of recession we will still be investing, that's for sure. I've just made my third investment yesterday. Not two days ago, sorry. Not publicly announced yet, but we'll, we will soon. Okay. Uh, but it will just be a bit slower because we have more time. We can, we can kind of, now we can examine more in depth uh, some of those, those companies. We can still, we feel there's re- leverage on our side now. I hope the venture capitalists want to use it to their advantage, but Obviously, they, they need to think of the benefit of the profits. And that's, you know, you need to kind of see the perspective of venture capitals when you're fundraising. So if you have something spectacular, you'll still get funded. It's just going to be that the bar will be higher. Okay. Well, Boris, thank you for that. I mean, I just finally just ask you, what's the best way to reach out and contact you? Oh, I actually do respond to my email, as you <laughs> probably have noticed. So it's boris at smock.pc. So easy to, to contact me. I try to be pretty prompt in responding if like you know it needs to make sense like if you write it properly if you have a real case for me i'm pretty fast responding okay. so i'm pretty open to this you can also try to reach out to us at both smock and reactor we've just opened up the whole acceleration program to anywhere in the world oh. so it's going to be fully remote this time so anywhere you are like reasonable time zone, you know, difference from Poland, but 
we're seeing applications from countries like Armenia, Iran, Turkey, Africa. So this is going to be an amazing experiment as well to run this first edition. The seventh edition of the acceleration program will be completely remote. So hopefully this will actually benefit a lot of people because more amazing companies, not just from Warsaw, anywhere in Poland or anywhere in Central Eastern Europe, even outside of Europe, will be able to benefit from the amazing mentors. You know, we have some of the best CEOs in Poland and Central Eastern Europe and London to help you to become your advisors and help you grow your business. So it might be actually one of the opportunities to take wow. advantage. So I would really encourage you know, anyone listening to, to also try to apply. We're pretty strict, so we're not like Y Combinator, but we'd accept about 10% of, of people who apply. So it's still pretty strict. The program, I think, starts in a month or so. So I think there's still... How, how long is that program? And what does it entail? Oh, it's three months. Uh, and it's basically from idea to first funding. Okay. So you're the first-time entrepreneur, ideally. You have some idea, have some industry experience. That's the ideal kind of candidate. You have a product idea. You don't have to have this product ready, but the whole program is customer validation, talking to customers, making sure the business model makes sense, and getting funded at the end. So either angel investors or venture capitalists. We work with about 150 angel investors and venture capitalists who are all uh, in our... like. We invite them to our demo nights and we, we share the deal flow with them. So it's a perfect opportunity to kick off your business, especially now when you're at home and you don't have anything to do. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, that's the main uh, uh, benefit. And you can do it remotely, which is now pretty amazing. Amazing. And in terms of private investors, can they just invest in your fund? Is there a minimum investment or how does that work then? Well, we've raised the fund already, so we don't okay. accept investors uh, at the moment. But yeah, I mean, get in touch with me as well. I mean, this is something we'll definitely be doing something bigger. The first fund was pretty much focused on Poland, but we feel the whole region needs disruption in seed venture capital. So definitely in a year or two, we'll be thinking bigger. We're we'll thinking Europe, Central Eastern Europe. We're seeing a lot of amazing companies coming up from countries like even Kosovo or Albania or Armenia or Georgia, and there is not that much funding there. So we feel this is a big opportunity for us to also encourage those companies to, to benefit from our network. So we'll be, we'll be doing probably something bigger in that year or two. So definitely reach out to me if you want to you know, get involved in the Polish startup ecosystem. That sounds amazing. Listen, Baris, thank you for your time today. Really, really informed us and uh, thank you. Really, really very good. Okay, thank you too. It was a pleasure. And I'll push uh, your contact details in the show notes. Have Amazing. a good day, yeah?